right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time to say. Right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're live at the T-Mobile Center here in Kansas City for Big 12 Men's Basketball Media Day. And uh, Nick has already embarrassed himself a couple of times. He, yeah, I have. No, I literally um, went out and, so far. And, and tried to do like a crossover dribble on the floor <laughs> and face planted. And security was like, how'd this guy get in? I was like, dude, yeah. honestly, I don't know. I don't Nick know how actually I got skirted by security already, technically. So <laughs> I really that's did. a story for another day. No, I really did. Um, well, anyway, we are uh, going to have lots of audio for you on today's show. Uh, walked by us. Yeah, he did. He uh, tapped Nick on, on the shoulder the and, and said, hey, best friend. No, um, <laughs> he's on his way to the podium. He's going to be speaking to the media shortly, and we'll carry that audio for you later in the show. We don't have a way to bring it to you live. Uh, we're going to have audio from Brett Yormark today. We'll have audio uh, from Bill Self, the players throughout the week here on RCST, we've got a bunch of just kind of short snippet guest interviews that uh, we've had throughout the days here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, and um, we'll be bringing those in the next couple of days. I'm going to be out after today, so we'll get to those. And uh, we also got Kevin Flaherty. had a fun conversation with Kevin uh, just before 4. That'll be later on this hour here on RCST. A lot of Big 12 basketball and KU basketball talk on today's edition of the show. So yeah. um, we did this yesterday with the KU women's basketball team. We gave out superlative preseason awards for the team. Let, let's do that here today before we have to uh, take a break for the Bill Self audio here. Uh, who is the team MVP? I think the team MVP is going to be Kevin McCuller. I really do. I think if he's averaging... 13, 14 points per game with the level of defense that he brings. Then you factor in the fact that maybe he can increase the three-point shooting percentage by a few percentage points. I think he could end up being the most valuable player on the on this team. I mean, uh, to me, he that's what he screams to me is he's going to be a guy that is is going to be relied on as a, that veteran player. I, I don't think he'll be up to the level of, like, Jalen Wilson, but I think he's going to be relied on pretty significantly. Plays fantastic defense, obviously. And like I said, I think he he has the capability now to be more aggressive on offense. Uh, I, I don't know if this really factored in at all, but, you know, last year with, with Jalen being a guy who was so aggressive offensively and then you have Grady Dick, I, I wonder how much Kevin McCuller was maybe deferring more to, to those guys a little bit. Uh, and this year I think he, he'll be in a position where he doesn't have to feel like he needs to do that. Uh, so if he's more aggressive uh, and puts up those numbers, puts up decent numbers, obviously he's an, a, a great rebounder as we saw last year and, the defense speaks for itself, so I think there's a good chance that uh, that Kevin McCuller ends up being the, the MVP of this team. And he, he, I don't think a lot of people will view him that way. Maybe from an outside perspective, from a from a national perspective. I mean, we've got names like Hunter Dickinson and Dewan Harris and Elmarco Jackson that are much flashier names. I think those guys might get more love. But to me, I think come February, come March, we'll look at Kevin McCuller and say he is the linchpin of this team and kind of what makes them what they are yeah I, i'm gonna go to Juan harris i think there's just so much value there and 
you know, being a, a point of the attack defender and, and being the guy who's setting everything up, getting them in the right spot. And now, you know, Marco Jackson's your only other point guard on the roster. And even then, he's a true freshman. You're going to be playing him some at the two. I think there's so much value for Dewan Harris. So uh, if we're talking best player, it's probably Hunter Dickinson. But most valuable, yeah. I, I, I think both those are good answers. So I'm going to go Dewan Harris. As far as offensive player of the year, though, uh, any reason it's to gotta be yeah it's, it's gotta be right gonna lead the team probably in scoring yeah. put up 20 points per game something like yeah. that uh what about defensive player of the year defensive player i mean if i'm if i'm picking kevin mcculler as my mvp mm. i'm gonna go with dewan harris as my defensive player of the year because he's he's great on ball defender and and in our conversation with kevin flaherty which we're gonna hear here in a little bit we talked about the fact that this is a conference that has a lot of really 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 talented scoring guards and you figure Dewan Harris is going to be drawing those assignments night and night out in conference play. And if he's able to shut down guys like Mike, Max Asmus and, and Tyler Perry and even some of the other guards around the conference, I, I think at that point he has to be your defensive player of the year if he's able to lock down some of those elite high-scoring guards. And uh, obviously we know what he's capable of, and I, I think he'll be the guy to keep an eye on for defensive player of the year. Yeah, I'm, uh, Kevin McCuller is uh, the guy to me. He, he just makes up. I mean, even when there's like a, a team mistake, he usually sees it coming and, and can come over and play great help defense. So switchable, can guard so many different positions. Um, it's it's the block plays, it's the steal plays, it's the clutch plays at the key moments. Uh, Kevin McCuller, to me, is the defense player of the year. I know DeWan won Big 12 uh, defense player of the year a season ago. I thought it should have been Kevin McCuller, not to knock DeWan Harris. I think DeWan Harris might be the second-best defender in the conference. Yeah. Uh, but I think Kevin McCuller is the first, and uh, I love watching him play. Okay. Who is your glue guy of the year, your glue player of the year for Kate? I mean, I feel like there's only one option, KJ Adams. Mm. I mean, I guess maybe you could make an argument for a Kevin McCuller, possibly, okay. if maybe he's, maybe he's not so much of a scorer and it's more of like the – I know we don't normally think of glue guy as being someone who shoots it well. We think of glue guy more as like they fill in the gaps and they play sure. good defense and they pass sure. and do all those sort of things. But for this specific team, knowing that they need the three-point shooting, could you argue Nick Timberlake? Mm. Yeah, I don't know because it's like I have a hard time arguing that because But the glue for this team could be three-point shooting. Timberlake ends up being a great three-point shooter and is a, you know, a high-volume, high-percentage three-point shooter. I don't think you'll call him a glue guy. You just call him their best shooter. Mm-hmm. And if he's bad, then you're not going to say he's a glue guy at that point either. So I don't think there's a, I don't think there's an argument really there for for Timberlake to be honest. Okay, I I will go KJ Adams as well. Uh, he's I mean, kind he's of the guy. Answer. He has to make it fit and glue things together between the guards <laughs> and Hunter Dickinson and playing another forward. He he's going to do a lot of little things. You know, play yep. defense, yep. rebound, throw yep. down some dunks. Yeah, I, I think that's the answer. Who's yep. your bench player of the year? Dude, okay. I had a hard time with this one because okay. you look at the starting lineup, and I think you and I both agree that it's that it's all set except for that two spot, and it's either going to be probably Nick Timberlake or Marco Jackson. Either one, maybe interchangeable, right? But I, if if both those guys end up starting, you know, half and half on the season or something like that, can you really make the claim that one of them is your bench bench player of the year? So that leaves you with a couple different options. You could go look at, like, Parker Brown. You could look at, uh, you know, somebody else. I'm going to go with Johnny Mm. Furphy as my bench player of the year because I think he's going to be consistently coming off the bench, playing decent minutes, and I don't know that he'll be, you know, the most flashy guy and make the most plays, but give me Johnny Furphy as my bench player of the year because I know he's coming off the bench. I don't want to pick El Marco or Timberlake because – they might, they might not end up being bench guys. No, you could be right. Like, both of them could start double-digit games, and it depends yeah. who's here or there. That yeah. would be the obvious answer, whoever the other guy is. I, I guess <laughs> since you're nixing that opportunity, um, I kind of do want to go with Parker Brown. Parker I don't Brown. know. It's the safe pick to be like, he's going to get eight to ten minutes a game as the backup five. 
But, but maybe the, it's Furphy. Thing, but the thing is, is like Parker Brown's role is just going to be don't screw yeah. up. Furphy has an opportunity to actually grow and maybe make yeah. some Yeah, the only other one you could go out there with is Jamari McDowell if you were to usurp Johnny Furphy and, yeah. you know, be yeah. that guy. But, yeah, I yeah. guess Furphy is the answer if you, if you can't take on Marco or Timberlake. Uh, what is your X factor? I think my X factor is K.J. Adams. Okay. How he fits in. Yeah, the team how he and everything. fits in. What's his role going to be? I mean, if K.J. Adams goes out and averages 14, 15 points per game, how could he not be your X factor at that point? I mean, he he has the potential to be very dynamic, and he's just so versatile and reliable, and you know he's going to play hard game in, game out, every minute he's on the floor. I think he him hitting his ceiling is the true X factor for for this squad. So I I would be tempted to throw in like how are they going to defend because they're going to have to figure it out. Right. In, in one True. way, they can be like, well, a big man like Hunter Dickinson will defend like we did when we had David McCormick. Yeah. Well, but that like team had have, a bunch of switchable wings. I mean, this you have doesn't. three to four really elite defenders. Yeah. But you got to mush them together. Correct. So, like, there are a lot of avenues for it to be really good, but it's, it's how is it going to do it? And I think yeah. there's going to take some experimentation there that, you know, the defense might settle in more. Because right now it's preseason number one on Ken Palm. I could see it not being number, you know, I don't know, being 10, 15, well, 20 also, range, but they, they play a very difficult schedule. So yeah, that could impact, you know, if right. they have some games where they The other one, though, is just three-point shooting. Like, they're, they're going to have to have enough three-point shooting. That, yeah. That's kind of the big question there. All yeah. right, uh, we're going to take a timeout. We've got some uh, more audio from Brett Yormark from yesterday, the Q&A session. We'll get to that on the other side. And uh, plenty of Bill Self, KU player audio throughout the coming shows here on RCST. We're live at the T-Mobile Center for a, uh, another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. And uh, also Kevin Flaherty will join us later this hour. Nick Springer, Derek Johnson, you're listening on KLWN. Depend on it. This weather update is brought to you by your York dealer, Dunco Heating and Cooling. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, RCST from the T-Mobile Center. It was yesterday, though, that Brett Yormark caught up with the media and addressed them and had some interesting things to say about, you know, whether it was the, uh, I don't know, alternate broadcast that they're going to try to do to grow a larger audience, uh, extending the contract for the Big 12 tournament in the Kansas City area, um, the, the Big 12 men's basketball schedule being 20 games for, I think, next year and moving forward and being 18 games in the women's side of things. Plenty of other comments like that, and uh, Brett Yormark was addressed with questions from the uh, media in attendance yesterday morning at Big 12 Media Day for the women's basketball team. He uh, spoke then before all the events between the women's yesterday and the men's today. So here is the rest of what Brett Yormark had to say yesterday with the Q&A section. Blair Kirkhoff of the Kansas City Star. Um, can you envision a time when basketball TV or streaming is negotiated separately from football and have just different contracts for, for football and for, for basketball? I've addressed that before, but in our recent TV negotiations, which obviously conclu were, were concluded about a year ago, we gave ourselves some optionality uh, when you think about our back-end rights, not only to renew in, a, in the traditional format, but also to potentially break apart basketball from football. And I think my job as commissioner, our job as, uh, you know, as a conference office is to explore all options and to further monetize what we do and to create value uh, for our member institutions. So if the situation presents itself where we can create more value by decoupling football from basketball, we'll pursue it. But that doesn't mean we're going to do it. Um, it's all about the value equation. But at least we have the optionality to pursue that if we feel it's appropriate. But thank you for the question. I think we've got one right there. Yep, Eli. 
Uh, Matthew Post, it's Heartland College Sports. Uh, Brett, you just talked about elevating the women's game uh, through the radio show, et cetera, but you also mentioned probably 20 conference games for the men, 18 for the women. Why the potential difference in those schedules? It, ultimately, it's what the coaches um, were looking to do. You know, as far as the 18, you're going to play three, uh, three schools twice, uh, 12 once, and there'll be a bye week. Um, so, and that's kind of where they settled, and the men decided a 20-game schedule. Um, but my heads of basketball, both men's and women, are here, and maybe they have a better answer than that. But I think that's just where we landed. Is that fair? And the women's tournaments earlier. Got one right there. Eli, right in the middle. Hello, uh, Scott Springer from the Cincinnati Enquirer. Uh, we all look at X and Twitter and things like that. Saw the young man, uh, Danny Hurley, from Connecticut last night that said something to the extent of uh, the Big East is the best conference, and I don't think it's even close. Uh, you might differ in opinion. Could you give your reasons why? I mean, listen, uh, history speaks for itself. The data speaks for itself. Our ratings, our participation in the tournament where we've been the last five years. Um, I don't think there's a deeper conference in America than the Big 12 right when it comes 12 right now when it comes to men's basketball. Um, Danny's a great coach. Uh, UConn's a great program. Uh, but I would certainly debate him on that. I've got one right here in the front. Addie will get you. Good morning, Commissioner. Good Cindy morning. Brunson, NBC Sports, Pac-12 Network. You mentioned preserving the natural rivalries that will exist with the incoming schools, in particular Arizona and Arizona State have the Territorial Cup. Will that stay in play on both men's and women's basketball? We're exploring all that right now. We haven't come up with any definitive decisions, but um, rivalries, uh, historic matchups are critically important for us. They're some of our guiding principles. Um, so as I sit here today with no definitive answer, I'd say it, it's most likely that that will occur, um, but nothing has been you know, cemented yet. But thank you for the question. Thank I've, you. We've got one right there in the front. Tommy Birch, Des Moines Register. You had mentioned the possibility of an alternate broadcast. What could that possibly look like, and what do you hope to accomplish? Well, you're seeing that right now with the NFL and, and, and other sports properties. It's something we're working with our media partners on now, too. For us, it's a way to introduce the game to a younger audience that typically isn't watching it on, on a digital platform or a traditional linear. So uh, we're exploring that option. Uh, I want to be the first conference to pursue that. And um, I'm very bullish that we'll, you'll see some things this, this winter, and we're going to do it through basketball. I've got a question in the back right there. Mitch Harper, KSL Sports in Salt Lake. Uh, Brett, you, you delivered the four corner schools, which you viewed as a dream scenario. What's the next dream you have for this league? <laughs> Just to continue to create value where I can. You know, when I think about our conference, we're 27 years old. I think in many respects, we're a mature startup. We're in our infancy stages. We have to explore every possibility and opportunity to continue to grow and create value for our member institutions. And that's what my job is. Um, there's nothing imminent, um, but I do explore all and all options that come to me. And if it creates value for membership, both short and long term, I'm going to I'm going to pursue it even further. And uh, but right now we love the makeup and composition of this conference. Uh, love the four corners that are that are joining us. Uh, they've already started to integrate the four schools. They've been attending meetings. We're strategizing on what ne next year looks like. Uh, but so there's nothing imminent, 
uh, with respect to expansion. Uh, we're really happy about where we are now. As I said in my opening comments, we've become national. That was a, a goal of ours um, from coast to coast. We double down on basketball for all the right reasons, do expansion, and I'm very bullish on our future. We're going to take a question from our junior reporters right here in the front. Um, hello, um, Mr. You can call me Brett. Okay, hello, Mr. Brett. My name is Kinsley from Kip Elementary, and um, what do you like best about um, Kansas City? You know, I, I, I love the people. You know, I came here for the first time last year. My first introduction was this media day to Kansas City. It was my first time ever here and really enjoyed it. Met a lot of great people. Uh, they're warm. They're passionate about what we do and, and what collectively we're building together. I like the restaurant scene, too. Um, you know, they, they've got great restaurants in town. Uh, but I just love the people. It's a great sports community, um, obviously, with, with the Chiefs leading the way. Um, and um, as I said earlier, we want to be here. We want to be here for all the right reasons long term. But that's a great question. Thank you for being here today. Uh, it's McKinley from um, Kip Endeavor Academy. And like, how many girl teams win? How many girls teams win? How many girls team won? Well, we, listen, we, we have great women's programs throughout the conference. Uh, and there's such a great future in women's sports, as I said earlier today. Um, hopefully you'll get a chance to meet some of our student athletes that are here today. Um, they do an incredible job both on and off the court. Um, and they serve as an inspiration for so many. So hopefully you'll have a chance to meet them. Okay? Nice to see you. <laughs> We've got a question right there, kind of middle. Nathan Geese, Lubbock Avalanche Journal. In terms of the sanctions that came down for Kansas last week and they have to repay that money they got from that Final Four run in 2018, where does that money go? Does it go to the conference? Does it go to the NCAA? Do you know where that winds up? You know what, I'm not familiar with that dynamic, you know, as far as the economics there. Um, all I can say it was a campus issue. I think the program's been vindicated, and I think the outcome was um, a fair one for all, and I'm, I'm sure they're happy with it. But the economics and the, the financials I'm not aware of. Something I'll probably have to look into. But great question. Thank you. We'll take one right back there. Andy Mitz, Blue Wings Rising. Um, we hear a lot of talk about the Big Ten and the SEC helping to drive like college football forward. How, how do you see the Big 12 conference's role in helping to push college athletics and helping to help that to expand? Well, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't think about the Big Ten or, or the SEC. You know, I wake up every morning thinking about how do we create value and, and be the best version of ourselves, the Big 12. Um, and I think across the board, you know, we're on a great track. You know, our football's exciting, lots of parity, scoring a lot of points. It, it's made for TV drama. Our ratings are up. Um, so excited about football. Basketball, we're getting better, um, both men's and women's, and excited about our future there. And then Olympic sports, you know, with the incoming four, um, we got much better in Olympic sports. And so when I think about our future, I think it, from a three-pronged approach, how do we continue to grow football? 
how do we keep doubling down on basketball and how do we elevate and amplify Olympic sports for all the right reasons. Uh, and again, as I said earlier, I'm very bullish on where we're going uh, in the future of this conference. Uh, I've got one in the back, back there. Brett, you mentioned uh, Big 12 Mexico next year with Kansas and Houston. Are there other cities or countries that you would like to target uh, internationally future, in the future for this league? Well, great question. We do have an international strategy, but I think it starts right now with Mexico City. I, you, know, I, I, you know, when I took the job and I was somewhat familiar with some of the international play that, you know, the different conferences were engaged in, I didn't want to partake in, in one-off a football game this year in Dublin, a football game somewhere else, and I wanted to have a vested interest. And we chose Mexico City for all the right reasons. It's a great extension to our geographic footprint. It fits very naturally for us. There's 22 million people in Mexico City. A couple of our schools have uh, campus extensions in Mexico City for recruitment. Um, so I think that's where we're going to put our energies and emphasis right now. Uh, basketball will be our first entry into the market. Beyond that, we're looking at women's soccer. We're also looking at baseball. But for now, Mexico City seems to be the market that we're really focused on. But thank you for the question. We'll go right here to the front. Hello again. You mentioned in your opening statements that women's basketball really got on your radar screen when you took this job. What was the turning point for you? Just going to games, experiencing it, meeting with student athletes. Um, you know, I was the president of the, and, and CEO of the Brooklyn Nets for many, many years, and Liberty were obviously local, but unfortunately I hadn't had an opportunity really to take in many of those games. So last year was my first exposure to women's basketball formally. Uh, saw more women's basketball games than I did men's. Um, just was taken with the athleticism, the spirit, the passion. Um, and I'll be taking quite a few games in this year, and I think the, the sport has a wonderful future. I mean, uh, I've been caught up in the, in the uh, WNBA championships right now. Saw the game when the Liberty won the other night. Um, it's a great game to watch, and uh, we're going to put a lot of focus on it moving forward. We've got one over there, and then we'll have time for one more after that. Hey, Brett. Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman. Nice to see you. Um, kind of keeping on that women's basketball theme, there's a lot of momentum created last year with the Final Four and obviously what Iowa did a couple days ago. How can this conference capitalize on that and add to that, add to that growth? Well, I mean, I think we're doing it already. You know, I've, the first big step, and it predates me, is bringing the women here to T-Mobile. Um, they deserve to be in a world-class venue, and I'm excited that this year we'll both have men's and women's. Uh, we're going to amplify and elevate and storytell like never before. Our TV partners are going to give greater exposure, as I mentioned earlier. We'll, we'll have a lot of linear exposure for our women's game this year. Uh, it'll be a focus of our weekly um, Sirius XM show. Um, so we're going to put a lot of emphasis on it. We see it's a, that it's a big area of growth, and our TV partners feel the same way. So we're excited about it. Thank you for the question. We've got time for one more, if anyone has one. All right, it looks like it's going to go to the young lady in the front. Hi, it's McKinley again. Are y'all um, going to be, like, doing SP, SPN all the time? ESPN all the time? Um, we have two great TV partners. We have ESPN and we have Fox as a conference. But basketball right now is only with ESPN. Moving forward in our new TV deal, Fox will be doing some TV. But right now it's just ESPN, but great question. And it's so nice to have you both with us today. Thank you for coming.
That was Brett Yormark with the Q&A session as part of Big 12 Men's and Women's Basketball Media Days. He shared that yesterday morning for us. We shared some of his opening statement audio and reacted to it, and you can uh, check that out if you missed it in the Best of RCST podcast, wherever you get any of your podcasts, as well as at KUSports.com. It's on yesterday's show, but that was the uh, Q&A portion. Just kind of going more in detail about some of the stuff we talked about and uh, you know the alternate broadcast stuff. I'm kind of thinking how uh, like the NFL is doing the – Nickelodeon games, right, or, or the Toy Story games to try to grow a, re- a younger audience. Maybe it's like that. I won't even wonder, are they going to do a game like on TikTok or on social media or something like that? I could see him being kind of a mad scientist in that way. But, uh, yeah, the Big 12 men's basketball schedule being 20 games will be very interesting. Women's schedule being 18, I think it's probably a good thing. You have so many good teams in your conference. Might as well play a few more conference games. And I think the Big 10 already does that, and maybe it'll make it better that – um, it'll be a little bit more uniform on the schedules to where the schedules will be a little bit more succinct and quell a little bit of the issues that I have about uh, in terms of deciding who the best team or the, the, the regular season champion, it might not be equal because one team can go 16 and four against a much easier schedule than a team who goes 15 and five. It won't totally fix that, but I guess it adds a little bit more to that to, to make it a little bit more balanced there. But anyway, uh, more RCST from the T-Mobile Center after this time out with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Shark Sports Talk. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, the KLWN app. Depend on it. 247 Sports with us, Big 12 Men's Basketball Media Day. All right, so what to you, what, what feels like the top storyline or storylines in the Big 12 this season? Yeah, I think it's kind of surreal being here and seeing all the new coaches, the new players, and, you know, it, obviously we've had some experience with this on the football side of things, but we don't know how these teams are going to fit in, right? We don't know how they're going to fit in culturally, stylistically, from a roster standpoint. You know, it, it was interesting people talking to Johnny Dawkins, you know, it, it almost sounded like a battle they had already lost, you know, right? Like saying, you know, what are you going to do in the future to land players who can play at the Big 12 level, which is not the way anybody wants to, to enter uh, media days. I think I saw a quote, this is kind of similar, uh, it was with Georgetown with Ed Cooley, and it was in the College Basketball Almanac, their like preseason magazine, and uh, he basically, the first quote was like, well, we're trying to do what we did at Providence, we're trying to build the season ticket sales and all this stuff, and it's like, well, that's probably not the things when you're first talking about your school, if you're talking about ticket sales, it's probably not great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody wants ticket sales, but no, that's that's not usually what you want to focus on. I think I wrote a ACC preview today, and uh, my Notre Dame outlook, the, the first couple words were not good. So, you know, when you enter, you know, the media days section, when, when everybody's positive, everybody's still undefeated, everybody's still got potential guys that are going to break out, even though we know all of them aren't going to, you know, it, it's talking season. And so when that talking season starts off from a negative place like that, you know, it's, it's maybe not going to be the best year for you. Yeah, a lot of hope passing around. Yeah, I'm curious about back to that discussion about the new teams in the in the Big 12. Is in football, it was kind of like, oh, you know, lack of depth of talent, whatever. What do you think it is in basketball that maybe the new teams might need to have or add in the future to compete at the Big 12 level? Yeah, I, I think that's a really good question because I I think that they're each in sort of different spots. You know, Cincinnati might be able to compete this year if they can get those waivers through on their big men. That's going to be the big question for them. If they don't, they could have a really long season. And when you look at UCF, it is kind of starting over a little bit. BYU is a really intriguing team in that they can shoot the ball from so many spots. They're the most experienced team in terms of what they bring back. And so, 
you know, you look at BYU and maybe you say, well, this maybe isn't the most hyper-athletic team compared to some of the other Big 12 teams like a Baylor or somebody like that. But the flip side of that is, is you say this team can spread people out and they've played a lot of basketball before. And so maybe they're a little bit better equipped. And, of course, Houston has played a terrific schedule, you know, for however many years now. And, and they've shown out at the national level. I think the thing that's going to be really interesting for Houston is – Houston could win a lot of games. I don't want to say just by showing up, but there are going to be games in the Big 12 where you're going up against the ninth or 10th best team. You're going up against, say, Oklahoma or, or somebody like that. That's a game that, that maybe you won previously, even if you played your C game. Now all of a sudden you're playing a team that's more than capable of beating you if you do play your C game. Okay, so as far as teams that maybe like more than where their preseason pick was, I, I like BYU. I'm glad you brought them up. I like Texas Tech. I actually really like K-State. I, I could see them finishing as high as third in the Big 12 maybe, uh, just behind Kansas and Houston. Who, who are some of the teams in the conference that you think are maybe a little underrated right now? Oklahoma to me is the most volatile in that I could see Oklahoma going either way, really. I could see Oklahoma finishing near the bottom of the conference. It doesn't work out. They don't grasp Porter Mosier's defensive system with all the new guys, and, and it just doesn't work. I could also see a situation with JV and McCollum being a really good pairing with Milos on it and that backcourt working out you can see a situation where Hughley at center you know looks more like the guy who averaged 15 and 8 two years ago than the guy who struggled it and so Oklahoma to me is a team that, that I kind of circle as a team that could be significantly better I'm glad you said Tech that's a, a team that really jumps out to me they're going to be really well coached we know they're going to defend with Grant McCaslin being the coach and they've got some really interesting players too and even beyond that they have something that not a lot of people have and that I think Pop Isaacs has a great chance to be an all-Big 12 guy. And so when you have that guy, your games are going to be played in the 50s, and you have somebody that can swing a game for you on a few possessions, I think Tech's a, a team that kind of pops out at me. All right, uh, when you're putting together an all-fun team in the Big 12, so just guys that you want to watch, they're fun to watch play for whatever reason. A um, couple guys that come to mind for me, like I, I immediately think of like Tyler Perry at Kansas State. Um, I don't know. Like maybe maybe you would give KJ Adams it because he he just jumps so high and he dunks and he's just uh, he looks like a superhero out there. Uh, who who are some players you would put on your all fun team in the Big Twelve? Yeah, I think if you had KJ Adams, it would be like a GI Joe where you would have like the move set like comes with the alley oop grip or whatever. Uh, but. Uh, Max A. Smith is a guy that I've absolutely loved watching at Oral Roberts. He's somebody that can stretch the court out to 30 feet. But the thing is, defenses know that, and he knows the defenses know that. And so, you know, the whole game theory thing, you know, it makes defenses pick him up so much earlier. But he doesn't really take that many bad shots for a guy who averages as many points as he does. I'm trying to think of, of somebody else. Uh, Dylan Sue was so good down the stretch. I think Langston Love is a guy I'm really intrigued by. We were talking to Scott Drew earlier. He was talking about he had a, a knee injury. You know, he blew the ACL in the middle of scoring like 20 points in a scrimmage against Texas A&M. Then last year he had an eye problem, and he said this year he had like a chest problem or something like that. So he's gone through the whole gamut, but he's still a really talented guy, and he's somebody that, that I'm looking forward to watching as well. When you look at Texas this year, they, they bring back Rodney Terry's. I think maybe some people feel like they were kind of forced to by the success they had last year. Do you feel like that they can live up maybe to the hype with Rodney Terry, or is this going to be a year where maybe it might be more of a struggle for him? Yeah, it's tough to tell, and I, I'm not trying to dodge it. I'm just saying 
I, I think Rodney Terry was handed maybe the best roster in college basketball last year. And, you know, I, I don't say that lightly. When you look at, like, Bart Torvik and Ken Palm and a lot of the metrics with how many, like, 80-year seniors they had last year, along with the talent level and everything else, you know, that was a great roster that he got handed. Not ideal situation, obviously, but, you know, he was already working within that framework. Now all of a sudden, you know, it's up to him to make adjustments, to find out how this team plays best together. And so I do think it's going to be tough for him to live up to it. Typically, historically, we don't see coaches who go from interim coaches to head coaches have that much success. A lot of times they had success with somebody else's roster and they just can't do it once they get over there. And so that that is something I'm interested to see. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head in that, you know, whether they would say it or not, I do think their hand was forced a little bit. You know, maybe if Texas gets clipped in the first or second round, you don't have to hire Rodney Terry. He's a candidate, but you don't have to go that way. I think coming as close as they did to the Final Four, you know, they, they were pretty pretty – locked into that sequence another team that i'm interested in is kansas state picked to finish six but they definitely got a lot of talent and it feels like arthur kaluma has maybe been one of the more underrated additions to any team in the big 12 what do you expect from them drum tang in a second year maybe another a chance for him similar to ronnie terry to kind of prove it this year right yeah i think so and i think Kansas State has a really good front court that I think not enough people are, are talking about. When you talk about David Gesson, when you talk about Naquan Tomlin, those guys having another year you know, underneath them, I, I think they're going to be really good. I think Cam Carter did a lot of things last year that you see people improve from. And what I mean by that is, you know, he would get to the rim, but he wouldn't finish. And how many times have we seen guys, you know, basically improve on that the next year they're finishing? And so he's interesting. Tyler Perry may be the best best transfer coming into the Big 12, and that's including Hunter Dickinson. And, you know, he's he's a terrific player, one of the nation's best shooters. I do – the Kaluma situation is so interesting to me because he's shown in flashes that he's looked like an All-America caliber player. But you hit four three-pointers against Kansas – you're a career 30% three-point shooter. You know, he needs to stack that all up together to where that's what he's doing all of the time. And I think the other thing that makes that interesting is, as it stands right now, I think he's going to start at the three at Kansas State. And so I just don't know if he's not knocking down shots, if he's not spacing the floor, if I'm not sure he can defend in the kind of space and the guys that, that he'll have to defend. And, you know, ball handling has been a major issue for him in the past. And so that's one of those where you you kind of wonder a little bit, you know, is this going to work perfectly or is it going to be a square peg at a round hole? All right, so some, some superlatives here. Best point guard in the Big 12. Ooh, hey, you're, you're, you're just. Throwing... I think you want to say Perry, but you're you're wondering if you should say Dewan Harris. Uh, I, I was actually wanting to say Dewan Harris and wondering if I if I should go the other way. Uh, no, I I do think you know I don't think it's Perry. I think it would probably be Acemas would be my pick, even though Perry is a little more well rounded. I just think Acemas changes so much of what you have to do when you play against him, and so. I would probably go that way. Does Pop Isaacs count as a point guard? Yeah, sure, close. He's kind of the combo guard. Yeah, he, he'd be in that discussion as well. But, 
you know, certainly for for what Kansas has and, and what their what their roster is, I'm not sure they'd trade DeJuan Harris for anything because I think they're going to have enough guys that can that can shoot. I think they're going to have enough guys that can score certainly, and, and I think he's going to be kind of the guy that the straw that stirs the drink we had again. Is there a bigger gap between position of like say Hunter Dickinson to say the I don't know seventh or eighth best center in the Big Twelve than any other position in the conference? No, I, I think you hit the nail on the head because I, I think when you look through the Big 12, you you look at the teams that have centers as the haves and the ones that don't are the have-nots. And there are a lot of have-nots right now and or teams that are depending on either a guy to make a major leap or they're like Cincinnati. They're depending on a guy to, to get a waiver clearance. And, and so I do think you, if you look at the different positions, you know, the gap between, say, the the first, the best wing and the eighth best wing, probably not as big. We just named off a whole bunch of point guards, but I think when you look at center, you maybe have you know two or three guys that are up there that, that you feel really, really good about as being you know all conference, all America type guys. And then after that, I mean, it, it's it's a chasm. What do you think is the one thing for Kansas to win the Big Twelve this season that has to happen? Oh, that's a tough one. I, I think. I think it's elite defense. Like, I know everybody wants this team to shoot the snot out of the ball. I mean, it, they, they want him to come. Yeah, are you buying the number one defensive efficiency thing on Ken Palm? I, I don't know that I'm buying number one, but I do think that defense needs to be where their bread is buttered. I, I think it has to be like that 2020 team. And, and that's what a lot of people forget about that team, I feel like. We all think about, you know, Azubuki dunking on every single person. You know, I, I think he dunked on my relatives who don't even play basketball. You know, and you think about, you know, how good Dotson was in transition and all those things. But that team was really grimy to try and score against. And, you know, you had the nation's best defender, Marcus Garrett. There are some other people who feel like the nation's best defender that year was Azubuki. I don't think that Hunter Dickinson is going to be that level of defender himself. But Michigan has had an elite defense with Hunter Dickinson as the back guy. And I think when you look at what Kansas has done in terms of trying to make him more agile, when you look at the way Bill Self has tweaked Kansas's different defenses to try and get elite defenses out of guys who aren't great defensive big men like David McCormick, I do think that that's going to be where Kansas is going to have to come out every night and be really good defensively if they're going to cut down the nets. I almost, as I'm thinking through this, want to call this like an Iowa State award, but um, it feels like every year there's there's typically a freshman who maybe, like like the rankings you guys have at 24-7, it's the basketball career, right? Sure. If you were to rank them based on maybe impact right away, those rankings would be different. Same that, you know, Grady Dick was, what, in the teens? If you were ranked it on year one impacts, I don't know, maybe he's in the top ten or something. It feels like Iowa State always has one of those guys. I mean, Tameen Lipsy last year, there was, uh, what, I, I don't remember where Tyrese Halliburton was ranked. Uh, Tyrese Hunter was, I think, what, in the 40s or something and had that year one impact right away. So maybe it's just picking somebody on Iowa State. But is, is there a freshman who maybe isn't a McDonald's All-American who you think might be able to make a big impact on somebody in the Big 12 this year? Yes, but I, I'm trying to think who it would be. <laughs> it's Johnny Furphy? Johnny Furphy's a, a possibility. Certainly, it, it is hashtag Furphy season. We need we need to get an, a nickname for him, by the way, something Australian. But anyway, yeah, I, I think you know Day Day Ames is going to factor into the backcourt in, in Manhattan. I think it, and be pretty good. Kansas State, as much as everybody wants to, or Kansas State Baylor, as much as everybody wants to talk about Jacoby Walter, those other freshmen are pretty good when you when you look at Little, when you look at uh, the center there as well, and then uh, Oklahoma State. 
um, Garrison the center, Daly the forward. I think those could be guys that you know aren't necessarily top twenty guys in the country that that could really pop. Okay, we we just heard I don't know ten fifteen minutes ago or something. They they had the uh, rules official guy uh, for the Big Twelve up at the the dais, the podium or whatever. And uh, you know we did this last year. I remember I was actually standing with you last year when it happened. And they talk about all the rule changes, some of the differences, and, and there are actually are like real differences in terms of I don't know some of the things that that you know they're doing this year that are entering college basketball, like the charge rule. Obviously, that's different and stuff. Um, I, I don't know how do you kind of take some of that stuff with with impacting the way that you view like is the way of chris beard's defense of taking all the, the i know he's no longer in the league but uh taking the charges like do you think that's gone how does it affect the way you view things and does it affect anything that you view or do you th- just think that it'll be one of those things that it's an early emphasis or, or kind of fades away yeah i i think it's definitely going to be an early emphasis and we'll see i guess would maybe be the best way to put it how many times though have we talked about you know november december rules changes and we've said hey once you get into conference play, once you get into the NCAA tournament, people are going to go back to what they're comfortable with. I remember ten years ago. Remember when they added the like hand check, yes. and all the games would have like forty to fifty fouls. But then by the time it was February, it was normal again. Yeah, because people tire of calling those fouls, and I think as much as everybody wants to use the reasoning of oh they won't work the NCAA tournament unless they call it this way, so they will call it this way. There's that's in the future, and they're thinking about survival in the moment, and even beyond that, they're used to calling a game a certain way, and so there is an adjustment. I I do think this is something I think they're going to put a real effort into because I think that in addition to realizing that fans hate block charge, uh, they they also see the safety impacts of it. It's it's not great to have somebody jump way up off the floor and have somebody else slide underneath him, and that's just common sense. And, and so I do think that maybe they stick with this one a little bit longer, and it might be the sort of thing that they look at it in January and they say, hey, this this is working or you know, working about what we thought it would, and they do wind up sticking with it. If you could think of a, because we start, are still in football season here, if you could think of a cross-sport trade in the Big 12, I should have prepared you for this one because there, there might be a, a lot of thought that has to go into this one. So, like, hypothetically, I don't know, Kansas could, not that they would do this because they don't probably need another quarterback, but they could trade, I don't know, Hunter Dickinson for Dylan Gabriel or something. Obviously, that I don't think benefits either team, um, but, well, maybe it benefits OU Bass. But nonetheless, is there a trade that you would come up with? Oh, gosh. Make maybe both teams, like, like would, like, hypothetically, Texas probably cares about football more than basketball, right? So would they trade, say, Dylan Mitchell to someone for, I don't know, an extra safety or corner or something in football? Yeah, I think they could use another D-back, you know. it's you know, But, but I, I think sometimes with Texas fans, you know, they're probably sitting there thinking, I wonder if Dylan Mitchell could be a defensive back. Uh, so, yeah, I mean. I think he could. He's pretty athletic. Yeah, so I mean, there's there's some of that, you know. And the other interesting thing about this hypothetical that you probably didn't even think about is the years on it, right? Like we're talking about for right now. But what happens if you have a basketball player? Because if he's really good, he's gone after one year, right? But if you trade for a really good young football player, maybe he's in your program for multiple years. He helps you out as far as that goes. Having said that, I have no idea. Uh, I, I, I I think, you know, for, for Texas, if you, if you talk to the fans, probably anybody would be up there, you know, Dylan, to, to see if they need to put him on the trade block or, or Max A. Smith, you know, to to get a, another guy, they would uh, they would do it. And uh, I, I'm trying to think. I don't know of a ton of people. Maybe me and Nick should think of some, and we'll poach him. You're right. Would, would Kansas State take Arch Manning 
Four. <laughs> so so what about so what about this? I, I I'm I'm coming up with this one on the spot, but what about this? So Texas trades Max Asmus to Iowa State. Big big basketball fan base. Iowa State not playing for a Big Twelve title in football, etc. Sends back TJ Tampa, the uh, the really good defensive back, versatile, a lot of different things there. You know that's that's a real possibility for me. I think. I mean that might win Texas a national championship in football. Makes I was I thought for a second when you said Texas guard you were going to send Tyrese Hunter back. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's what I should have said probably, but yeah. It, but if it leads Texas to a national title, you know I I want you guys to make me a little trophy with a a best general manager on on Rock Chalk. Sports talk. All right, I love it. We'll, we'll start coming up with those and uh, maybe quiz you on one or two a week if, if both teams would do it. Do you have a local prospect of the week or maybe a local basketball player or maybe, I don't know, uh, local anything? Nothing this week? Oh, oh well. well, we'll get one next week. We'll get you some more trades coming at you. Kevin, I appreciate the time, man. Oh, wait, before we let you go, I do have one more thing. People are in Kansas City. Barbecue spots they should go to. Yeah, uh, Chef Jay is the best barbecue spot in Kansas City right now. Five minutes from here. Five minutes from here in the West Bottoms. I, I think if you're if you're willing to try something a little bit different and a little bit out of the city, I say go to Harps and Raytown. They've got a lot of interesting stuff. Last time I was there, they had pastrami brisket, which was was pretty out of this world good. So yeah, that you can't go wrong with those two. And uh, those two pitmasters actually went to the same high school, so they uh, they know each other a little bit. All right, high school of uh, champions there. Thanks again, Kevin. Thanks a lot, guys. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We are live out at the T-Mobile Center, but right now we are not live. Uh, I guess pulling the curtain back a little bit, the uh, some of the media availability stuff was in the middle of our show when we had to get up and go interview people. So uh, earlier today we had to record some stuff for uh, planning ahead for that. So we have some Big 12 basketball content coming at you this hour while we talk to Bill Self and... I don't know, all the players that are there for KU basketball and everything like that. So without further ado, we have a fun game. Let's get to know some of the Big 12 players. This is our Big 12 basketball player or MLB postseason player. Now, to be clear, when I say MLB postseason player, they are on one of the teams that are alive right now. In the it's AL only the NLCS. four left. Yes. So Phillies, Diamondbacks, Rangers, Astros. Correct. Okay. Shout out to, uh, was it Paul? Who was it that said that uh, they liked this segment? Uh, I don't know, last week. Was it Paul? Uh, I'm sorry, I don't remember. But yes, somebody <laughs> did say it. So we're back, okay? We're back. I am on the rise, attempting to go and get back into the Power Five and win a national championship. Where did that, you go last I, year? I think I ten think and I four, eight, maybe. I thought I went. I thought you like won your conference. Okay, and then, ten and four. That sounds right. Ten and four. Okay, yeah. So I'm on the rise. I'm on the. Rise. I feel like if I have one, if I, I feel like if I win another double digits again this season. I should be getting a Power 5 job, mm. I think. Okay, I would agree with that. Don't you agree with that? Yeah, and by the way, that was your first, uh, I guess, uh, conference championship since you've been in the uh, the, the, the lower league, so to five. speak. Yeah, but overall your record is 107-55 and 55 in 12 seasons now. You've gone 7-5 and five in bowls, five conference titles, uh, one college football playoff appearance, one title with yep. an asterisk, nope, and last no season 10-4. No, right, no so you understand the game. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the name of, of an athlete, and you're yep. gonna tell me if they're a Big Twelve basketball player, yep, or an uh, a baseball player, I guess, or okay. whatever you want to yep. say. MLB yep. postseason player, All right? Ready? Yep. Absolutely. Week one. Jake Cave. Jake Cave. Yes. Oh, that's a that's a that's a baseball player. Okay. Yeah. Are you, you sure? Yeah. Okay. He is a Philadelphia Phillies outfielder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, I knew Feel that. Good one. about that one. I knew that one. Yeah. There we go on the board. 
W. One and oh. Alright, week two. Caleb Loner. That's gotta be a basketball player. Mmm. Bonus points if you can it is a basketball player. Bonus points if you can guess what team. TCU. Baylor. Oh. A forward for the Baylor Bears. Former BYU Cougar transferred into Baylor last wow. year. Wow. Like I was going to play BYU. Forward. Wow. Yeah. Man. All right. 2 0 start for you. On a roll. Three. Noah Waterman. Oh, boy. This is a tough one. So, okay. Baseball players, they have specific names. Okay. Like, you know, like Jake, that's a baseball player name. Okay. Or like, you know, some th- things like that. Is Noah a baseball player game? There are some Noahs, but... I've known some Noahs as baseball okay. players, yeah. Okay. Um, I am... I'm leaning baseball player. Give me, give me a baseball player. Baseball player. It is a basketball player. What? For BYU. Oh, of course He's it's BYU. He's a center on BYU. <laughs> Noah Waterman. Of course it's BYU. <laughs> Two and one. On to week four, you're in your conference portion. Of two the and season. one in the non-con. Yeah. So I played my two non-con games against bad teams, and I played Bama. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fine. Not yeah. a bad loss. Week four, Dan Skillings Jr. <laughs> All right, I feel like this is either a baseball player or a BYU basketball player. <laughs> I don't think there's any in between. It's one of those two options. Uh, I'll 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 take baseball player, I guess. He is a basketball player <laughs> for Cincinnati. Oh, Cincinnati? Yeah. Man. Dan Skillings Jr. Dan Stude. I lost all, your conference open. If your name is Dan, you're automatically at least 40. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Not for Dan Skillings Jr. Two and two on the season. You've lost two straight. You lost your conference opener. <laughs> People are starting to be like, what's going on this yeah, year? Yeah, that was a bad loss. Did we not hit the transfer portal hard enough in that the offseason? That was a bad loss. All right, week five, Travis Jankowski. Oh, that's a baseball player. Feel confident in that? Yeah. Travis Jankowski is an outfielder. Okay, yeah. I'd like to guess which team. Um, you and your style points if you get the team right, which can help your ranking. Is it? Is it the Diamondbacks? It is the Rangers. Uh, man. Texas Rangers have Travis man. Jankowski. All right, you're three I'm and just, two. I'm not huge into baseball, mm-hmm. so I know guys, but I don't know their, who they play for. No. Uh, three and two, one and one in conference play. Yeah, feeling First good. Conference back. Off yep. The schneid. Yep. Week six. Usually you pick things up over the back half of the season. Week six. John Singleton. <laughs> I mean, his name it has single in it. Fair, fair. That's just like the most basic name of all. John Singleton. Like that could be anybody. That could be. That could be my neighbor. Yeah. That could be my mailman. That could be. I mean, what? What would you do if you had my name in there, Derek Johnson? Hmm. I don't know, honestly. I would be oh. like, yeah, I'd be like, man, this guy sounds like a loser. <laughs> I no. think Nick Springer, I would guess baseball player. Maybe that's because George Springer. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, if, if I got your name, I would guess baseball player, too. Mm. I think it's a baseball player name. Um, my name, on the other hand, is a nothing name because I'm not athletic, so it, does, it would never be in anything. Um, what about John Singleton? I, I was Thank you for reminding me. I already yeah. forgot the name because it's so basic. Uh, I... This, it feels like a trap. It feels like you want me to pick baseball players, so I'm going to go basketball player. It was not a trap. John Singleton is a baseball player. <laughs> he is a first baseman for the Houston Astros. Wow. His name is Singleton. He plays first base, and he hits singles. Yep. Incredible. Right, that makes you 3-3. Three and three. You're 1-2 and two in conference play. 
People are like, you better figure it out. Yeah, this Otherwise, is bad. No, this you know, is bad. I don't know why we just gave him the raise after last year. We should have waited yeah, to see no, if this he is, had more than one good season. This is brutal. Week seven. Chendol Weaver. <laughs> like, okay. C-H-E-N-D-A-L-L. C-H-E-N-D-L-L. L-L. Yeah. Two L's. And then Weaver. How do you spell Weaver? W-E-A-V-E-R. <laughs> I think the pretty traditional <laughs> spelling. Just to ask you to see what okay. you would say. Um, man, I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go basketball player. Shendel, that's not a baseball player name, I don't think. Shendel Weaver is a basketball player. Okay. Would you like to guess what he's a guard? Uh, would you like to guess mm. what team? Well, you've been giving me uh, players from the new coming teams. He's the UCF, Texas. Oh he's my, guard for Texas. oh my, yeah, dude, what? Well, you are still four and three though. Now two and two in conference play. Fan base not happy. I'm not happy. Not happy. They had high expectations. They're like, yes. we, you know, we, we went to a good bowl last year. Yes. No, I'm pissed. I wanted to go to a New Year's Six Bowl this year. Yeah. That seems like it's cards. probably out of the question, I would say. I don't know. Unless yes. I go unless I go undefeated here. Mm, I don't think there's ever been a group of five. Know, undefeated with a that, loss to Bama. That's that should be good enough. Well, you have three losses. One of them is to Bama. So I don't think there's ever been a group of five team that made a New Year's Six <laughs> with three losses. Right, uh, week eight. Kevin Kinkle. <laughs> the first thing I thought was Kevin Kankle. I don't know why. It's Kinkle. K I N K L E. It could be Kinkel. K I N K E L L. Just one L. K I N K E L. Yes. Maybe that makes it more European. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Hmm. Uh, I am going. I think Kevin is a baseball player name. I will say baseball player. Kevin Kinkle is a baseball player. Okay. Like, yes, what team? He's a relief pitcher. Mm, Astros. Arizona Diamondbacks. Oh. The fact that you haven't got any of the. I know, it's brutal. I'm using those as style points. I know. If you get the team right, I'm counting it as a blowout. I can't, get, any, I can't get any of them. So, like, not only are you. You're 5 and 3, which is fine. 5 and 3. But you're good. like 5 and 3 with a bunch of squeaker wins right now. <laughs> Gotta do better. All right, week 9. Orion Kirkering. Oh, Brian I know this guy. Kirkering. This guy's a baseball player. I know this. Okay. What team does he play for? <sighs> he plays for the Phillies. He does. Yeah, yeah I knew picture. that one. There's there your we first go. Win. I knew that one. Uh, you've won three straight games. Didn't he have like a? Doesn't that guy have like a crazy story of how he made it to the majors or something? I think so. Yeah. No, I. I no, I know that. He's good though. Yeah. He's good. I remember that. You've won three straight. You're six and three. You are now four and two in conference okay. play. So you're flirting, working back. flirting with being ranked. No, but you are flirting with uh, conference title contention. <laughs> Week ten, John Michael Wright. Mm. Okay, so Michael John Dash Wright. That oh wait, so it's not John you. Dash Michael. It's John. No. John. It's John. The last name is Michael Wright. Okay, 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 okay. First that makes John. a huge difference. I'm glad you clarified. <laughs> Because John Dash Michael is way different okay. than John Space Michael Dash Wright. I mean, that that, that, that changes everything. <laughs> Literally Does everything. It? Yes. Okay. Um, mm, John Michael Wright. See, because if it was John Dash Michael, mm-hmm. I would have maybe said basketball player. Mm. But John Michael Dash Wright. <laughs> Give me. I'm, I'm going baseball player. Baseball player. John Michael Wright is a basketball player. <sighs> Damn it. For Oklahoma State. See, now I wish you hadn't told me that, because I would have just I would have just gone basketball player the whole way. Well, overthunk yourself. Man. Uh six and four is now the record. Four and three in conference play. 
feels like a conference title is uh, probably slipping out of your kind face. of the question. If you win these last two, there's a chance, and you get one of the teams right, I'll give you the conference title. Okay. 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 Fair enough. All right, week eleven, Tyler Hendricks. Oh, that's got to be a baseball player. Is that a guess? Yeah. It is incorrect. Tyler Hendricks is a basketball player. What? You should have known this. Taylor Hendricks was a lottery pick from UCF. His brother, Tyler Hendricks, on the team. <laughs> wah, wah. So you are now 6-5. and five. The That's fans sad. are pretty irate. They were like, we had high hopes for this season. This, this is bad because this is this, this particular game, baseball player versus basketball player, this feels like a game that I should be better at mm. like compared to some of the other ones. Yeah. There are you things know? that like you how, cover. Like, no. Like, exactly. Like the, the, one, the game we did where it was like European politicians. <laughs> you have like, no idea. Yeah, that, that one makes no, it, you know, but this one I should have had a better chance. Mm-hmm. And instead I've just fallen flat on my face. Okay, let's see. So six uh, and five. Yeah, six and five. I locked in a bowl game at least. Maybe. Uh, what do you mean maybe? Well, I don't know. There's only a limited amount of bowls, and you know you're not you're not one of those teams that's in a power five where it's like, oh, we have to get this team in a bowl game. Like there are like MAC teams who go six and six all the time, and they're like, well, now we don't have enough room for you, dude. You know? Dude, I am calling up the NCAA and saying, hey, show some respect. For the group of five teams that go six and six. Okay. Give us more bowls. Okay. All right, here is your uh, week 12 matchup. Gray Kessinger. Oh, I know this G-R-A-E. One. I know this one. Okay. I've heard that name before. Mm-hmm. I I know it. And? It's a... No, I know it. It's a... <laughs> Doesn't uh, seem like you do. No, I do know it. I know this guy. <laughs> uh, he's a He's a baseball player, I think. I'm pretty sure. You said you knew it. I do so know. Now it. you're just guessing. No, I know it. It's okay. a baseball player. It is a baseball player. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've heard of that guy. Do you want to guess what team? Oh, Jesus. This will determine <laughs> if you go to a if I go okay to bowl game or a if really I bad bowl go game. to the Liberty Bowl where Memphis lost power for before the bowl. No, you don't even get the Liberty Bowl either way. <laughs> but it's like the difference between like the Idaho Potato Bowl or the. Oh, I would love the Idaho Potato. Bowl. I know. What would be like a bad bowl. I, don't know, I guess I don't there's know. no really bad bowl. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's like true. the Birmingham bowl. That's kind of boring one, isn't it? Yeah. No, that one does stink, actually. Okay. So that's your difference here. <laughs> uh, Gray Kessinger, he plays for the Rangers. Houston Astros. Yeah. You're going to Birmingham. Congratulations. Get ready to learn Birmingham. Ah, man. But you are in a bowl game. Seven that's and five. Positive. Seven and five is a good year. Yeah, you guaranteed a winning record. Yep. 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 Uh, here is your last one Noah Farrakhan. Can I get a spelling on that? N O A H. On the last name. <laughs> F A R R A K H A N. Hmm. See, this feels. Okay. Wait, what did you say about Noah earlier? Because we had Noah Waterman, and I'm trying to remember which <laughs> way you said went with, that it with Noah. Noah was a baseball player okay. name. Okay. More than a basketball player name. But that one the last wrong. name, for, how do you say it? Farrakhan. Farrakhan? Yeah. That's not a baseball player last name. I don't think. Okay. So I'm kind of torn here. Okay. This feels like, to me, it might be another trap. Mm. In that you want me to think that this is a basketball player, but it might be a baseball player. Mm. That's what I think. Or could it be the opposite? <laughs> I, I don't know. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead into the trap. Basketball player. Noah Farcon is a basketball player. Birmingham Bowl champion. Would you like to guess what team? Woo! If you blew out the Birmingham Bowl. Birmingham Bowl champions, baby. What team, what team is Noah Farcon on? Texas Tech. 
West Virginia. So you want a squeaker, but that's okay. Oh my, you dude. won your bowl game. Dude, I don't care if I win by one point or 50 points. Birmingham. Birmingham Bowl. Kansas. This is like the fourth time in the last six games we've done this that you finished exactly eight and five. <laughs> so people are starting to call hey, you hey, Mr. Eight and Five. I am nothing if not consistent. You're like your uh you're Jeff Fisher, except with eight and five seasons. I'm nothing if not consistent. Yeah. Mr. That's eight exactly. and five. Mr. That's your coaching name. Honestly, I'm fine with that. I'd rather okay. be Mr. Eight and Five than Mr. Three and Nine. <laughs> Yeah, fair. Or Mr. Four and Eight. All right, hopefully uh, that got you to know everything you need to know about the Big 12 this season. In case you want a little more, we're going to do a Big 12 basketball team draft coming up next. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and uh, we're going to do a Big 12 basketball team draft so uh, th- this is going to be very simple. I, I don't really – we're not going to probably keep track of this or, you know, I don't know, maybe at okay. the end of the year we'll look back and be like, okay, yeah. my team was better than yours. But Be like, oh, you're an idiot. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But we're just going to – this is just going to be an exercise in, uh, I don't know, thinking who we think is going to be good before the season starts off. Okay, fair, yeah. Totally. Would you like the first pick or the second pick? So we're just going to be picking back and forth between uh, the teams in the league. Yes, correct. Mm, I want the first pick. I knew you were going to say that because you wanted Kansas, <laughs> and you would have thrown a fit if you didn't have them. That's not true. So, with the first pick, Nick will be taking Kansas, correct? <laughs> the Kansas Jayhawks, baby. Woo! All right, so why do you like them with the first pick? Listen, they're the preseason number one team in the country. I mean, what more else is there to say beyond that? I mean, they've got the best transfer player in the country in Hunter Dickinson. They've got the best pure passing point guard in the country in Dewan Harris. They've got the best coach in the country, arguably, in Bill Self. They've they were brought back uh, one of their best veteran defenders, Kevin McCuller. Uh This is obviously the best team in the Big 12 right now. Now, obviously, with the way the Big 12 is scheduled and uh, is structured, you know, it, it could be tough. It could definitely be tough. Uh, for for KU to, to end up being on top, but uh, this is just what they do, man. This is what they do. So uh, I don't know why you would not go with Kansas with the first overall pick, even if you had the first overall pick. Uh, you probably take Kansas because they're the number one preseason team in the country. I mean, I I think that they have the certainly the highest ceiling. Their ceiling is winning a national championship, and they also have the highest floor. I mean, seriously, a, a, a Bill Self coach team. What is the worst Bill Self has ever finished in conference in, in the Big Twelve in his career? I think third, probably like yeah, exactly. So uh, that floor combined with the ceiling of winning a national title, slam dunk first pick. Yeah, it's it's the right first pick. It is. I'm going to be taking Houston with my first pick, and I actually do think you can make a case that Houston could end up being the best team in the Big 12. Now, I'm not saying that's the case. I, so, I would pick KU for all those reasons, track record, here's everything. A, here's a, here's a, uh, just a question mm-hmm. I have. With the new teams in the Big 12 in football, there was so much talk about, well, you got to play up to the Power 5 level. Why is it not the same in basketball? That doesn't seem to be a conversation at all in basketball. Because Does the it reason it's a thing in football is it's just physicality de- depth and, and physicality. Depth. In basketball, that's not as, as big of a thing. Yeah, that's fair. It's like you're I just good, that was if you're good, you're good. I just you thought know? that was interesting. I mean, I, I, felt, I felt like so much of the conversation about the new teams in the Big 12 in uh, and football was, well, they don't have the depth, they don't have the blah, 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 all that crap. Mm-hmm. And then in basketball, it's like, the new teams are fine. Like, Houston's going to be, you know, second best team in the Big 12 and, you know, yada, yada, whatever, you know. So I just I just thought that that dichotomy, I found it interesting. Sure. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I, I guess that is a good point. Like, there is a chance that it, I don't know, I mean, I don't know. don't work well, out. But. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Does, does, like, basically, if you're Houston, 
for instance, you know, and you play like a C minus game on the road against, you know, Tulane or whoever, right. you're probably still winning that game. Are we sure that that's going to be the case if they do no, that? No, you know, they go difference. to like that's Texas Tech and play yeah. a C minus game. Are we sure they're going to win that? No, they'll, they'll lose more games. I, I feel confident about that. They're, they're not going to have the same record, but I, I do think they're a really good basketball team. And no, uh, no I, I don't. I, I'm I agree with you, but I'm just saying like I, I'm just I, I think maybe that should be more of a discussion. There's so much of a discussion with football. You know, if if you're a Houston or if you're a BYU or if you're, but a, I think that's kind know, of baked in. It's like the idea I guess, that fine. if you go thirty and two in the AAC, you always are typically ranked around the teams who go, you know, twenty six and six in the sure. Power Five, right? Sure, they kind of bake sure. some of that in. Uh, but fine, I, I, I really like the Houston lineup. Jamal Shedd is—I uh, don't know—he might, he might be the second best really passing good. point guard in the Big Twelve, yeah, but really on Dwan Harris, LJ Cryer, we saw him at Baylor for a while. He's just a scorer. He'll do well for them. Damian Dunn was a low key nice pickup for them in the transfer portal. Averaged over 15 points per game. Juwan Roberts is just kind of a good big man. He averaged like 10 and 8 last year. And then uh, they've got some interesting players coming off the bench. Like Terrence Arsenault is kind of a breakout player, was a really talented athletic freshman. I could see him taking another step up this year. I, I, I like this Houston team a lot. I, I think Kelvin Sampson, a really good coach. I think Houston will be one of the best teams in the country. I wouldn't be surprised if you end up. Kansas and Houston like share the Big Twelve. Yeah. At the end of the day, I, I I'm very high on what this Houston team is. Who would you what like other? Hold on. So Houston received two first place votes. Obviously, yes. one of them is Bill Self. Right, because he has to. He can't vote for himself. <laughs> Who do you think was the other coach? I was trying to figure that, that out. Voted for Houston. What do you think is more likely? Jerome Tang, <laughs> Scott Drew. Or one of the coaches who was coming over from the American with yeah, Houston. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I mean... Like Johnny Dawkins. Like, dudes, I mean, Scott Drew, like, seems like... It would be something the, you would do. You know, the prime suspect here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I don't know, I was just curious. Well, and I don't know, maybe Scott Drew was like, well, LJ Cryer was good, he played for me, so I'll vote for you, you know, whatever, I don't know. So, if I was a betting man, I'd bet on Scott Drew, probably. Would. <laughs> I would bet on somebody from the American. Um, so, okay. that would give you, like, either West Miller at Cincinnati... Or possibly, honestly, what if it was like Mark Pope at BYU, and he was just like represent the little guy coming from the smaller conference? I can see it being Johnny Dawkins though from UCF. He's like, oh, the AAC is really good. Trust me. And he also was a Duke guy. Dude, well, if I sucked I know. in that conference, I would say, oh yeah, the AAC is really good. I would say the same thing. <laughs> All right, uh, who's your next pick? My next pick. Oh man, I think I think I gotta go with Texas here. Um, they've got a, a ton of depth of talent, obviously, uh, and a really quality team. And I don't know. I guess maybe you could try to claim that last year was kind of a bit fluky. And you know, I know maybe some Texas fans maybe they, you know feel a little bit torn about it because it felt like Texas was kind of forced to to go with Rodney Terry, which wasn't maybe the guy that you know, maybe you go back to like December or whatever. That was probably not the guy that they expected to be mm-hmm. the coach long term. Uh, and then obviously with all the success, maybe you felt like they were forced a little bit. So. Uh, I don't know. I uh, the, my concern with Texas is I think Texas might have a lower floor than some of these other teams. You know, I mean the the, the talent's obviously there, and that, and I guess I guess for Texas that's always the argument, right? The, the argument is always, well, they're Texas. You know, they you know they could collapse even though they have the best talent, uh, which could be the case again this year. But I don't know. I like them. Uh, picked finish third. I think Rodney Terry is a good enough coach to where they'll be pretty solid, uh, and they should be pretty decent. So I'll, I'll ride with the with the Longhorns here. With the Longhorns. Yeah, I'll be interested with Rodney Terry. These were his uh, seasons when he was the head coach at uh, Fresno State and then UTEP. 13-20, and 11-19, and 21-18. I don't know why they played that many games. 15-17, and 25-10, and 20-13, 21-11, 8-21, 17-15, 12-12. Like, 
I don't know. It, it, is he fine? I mean, he had unbelievable talent last year, and it was experienced talent. Yeah. And I think that can kind of carry you regardless of who the coach is. So I don't know that I fully trust the Rodney Terry thing, but could it get through this year as well? I don't know Because they still have an experience that's, that's for I'm the saying. most part team. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. they probably could. Yeah. I do agree with you. It, it could be a lower floor. I don't love their bench. I don't think they're super deep. But they you could argue they have the best starting five in the Big 12. Yeah. I would probably argue Kansas is the best starting five. I'd probably say that Texas is the second best starting five. And then I like KU's depth. Even though KU's not a deep team, some of the players coming off the bench I like better than Texas. But yeah, I'm I mean, also curious about Dylan DeSue. Yeah. What's is that what mean? Is are we gonna get the Dylan DeSue that played in the last what, six weeks of the season basically last year where he was averaging like twenty five and twelve or whatever the hell? Mm-hmm. Or are we gonna get the other one that didn't do that? <laughs> it's a wonderful question. <laughs> and I don't have the answer to that. Because yeah, Dylan DeSue was amazing. And and it's also yeah. part of like I, I don't know what his role is going to be either because Dylan DeSue, I, I view as more so being like a, I don't know, a five-man, I guess. And he might play the four on this team because of uh, Caden Shedrick. Like, I, I don't know if they're going to start Shedrick or have Shedrick come off the bench. Yeah. Well, uh, I, but I, I, I mean, like the guards, like Tyrese Hunter, Max Smith. That's a yeah. good place to start. Yeah. Dylan Mitchell, he was a former five-star guy. Like, he can't shoot, but can he take a step up this year? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so they're I, interesting for sure. There's some questions there, and and yeah, I I mean I'm not totally sold on Rodney Terry either, just to be clear. But kind of to your point, it feels like this season they should still be talented enough to overcome, even if Rodney Terry ends up being like not a great coach. Mm-hmm. Basically, I think they'll still be pretty solid. All right, I uh, I'm tempted uh, for from a strategy perspective take Baylor here, but I, I don't know. We're not scoring this or anything. I'm going to take Kansas State. Okay. I am very high on this Kansas State team. I actually, if I was doing my Big 12 picks right now, like if I was ordering my list, I would have Kansas 1, Houston 2, K-State 3. Wow. Okay. Um, I think they're, what, they were finished. They were picked they were sixth. Sixth? sixth. Yeah. I definitely think they at least finished top five. I, I like them ahead of TCU. Wow, but okay. Um, I am in on this Kansas State roster. I'm in on Jerome Tang as a coach. Tyler Perry is excellent. That dude put up like 20 points per game at North Texas, and they were the slowest tempo team in the country, even below Virginia. Um, he's going to put up monstrous numbers in that system. Really good score, like 40% from three. He's going to be a problem. Then you have a, I don't know, arguably, they might have the best like wing forward position in the Big 12. Arthur Kaluma and Naquan Tomlin, that's a really good 3-4 combo. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the Arthur Kaluma addition for Kansas State, like, has kind of gone Slid under the very, radar. very quiet, yeah. right? Really under the radar. I, I guess mean, I would probably I don't know. still take Kevin and KJ yeah. over that, part of, still. Part of the Kluma thing, I wonder how much of it is just from the Kansas perspective, like, he didn't go to Kansas, <laughs> eh, whatever, who cares? Sure. Yeah, so I, mean, I don't that, know. That's really good. That, that's Which really good had, with those Kansas ended players. up not needing him, so. Yeah, and then uh, what? It's like Cam Carter, David and Gessen, they have some other players who were kind of role yeah, players think, on last year's team. I think the team. big concern is for Kansas State is you, you look at, like, their top two or three guys, and you're like, oh, ooh, ooh, and then mm. you go, hey, hey, oh, the down the rest of the way, yeah. I would agree with that. But isn't that kind of how we viewed last year's team, too? Uh, maybe it I was mean, like it was all Keontae George, Marquise Noel, and then I was like, okay, Naquan Tomlin's pretty good too. I guess too. the but real question that, here is, do you believe that Tyler Perry is a one-for-one swap of Marquise Noel um, in terms I think of they're production? Different. They are definitely different. Noel, much better passer. Um, Perry, a better scorer. And I don't think it's likely that Perry repeats how well Noel Noel played in the tournament. I don't think so either. But. If you're looking over the over long the course of the season, of maybe the regular might, season, yeah. like Marquise Noel was good, but he had like, some games where he was not that good. Exactly, like he had some down games for sure, and like didn't wait because like in the KU game in Alabama, didn't Noel go like 
one for 20. Yeah, the, the Dwan Harris effect. I, yeah. I don't think it was that bad. But yeah, it was very bad. Like, this is him over the course of the season. Like, the NCAA tournament, he was arguably the best player through the first, whatever, four games. But over the course of the season, again, really good numbers. 17.6 points, 8.3 assists, 2.6 steals. He shot... 39% from the field and 35.5% from three. Like, it's not like he yeah, was infallible. Are, yeah, right? those are not insane numbers. So I think for the regular season, like, there is a way that Tyler Perry's more efficient, but not as good of a passer, so doesn't set things up as well easily for the teammates. So, I don't know. I think it's at least within range. Okay. Um, will Naquan Tomlin take the step up to be as good as Keontae George last year? No, unlikely. Yeah. But will Arthur Kaluma be better than Naquan Tomlin was last year? Yeah, I think so. So I, I I don't know. I, I think Kansas State's gonna be really good. Yeah, it feels like Tomlin is kind of the the linchpin of card, yeah. how good they could be. The way I view it though, tier one for me is KU Houston. I, I think those are the only teams in tier one. So I, I do think Kansas State's really good, but I don't view them on the same like plane there. But okay. that's my, my next pick. Sure. Listen, I do not want uh I do not did not want <laughs> Scott Drew on my team. <laughs> I really wish you would have picked him. Well, but because, would you have taken K-State here if I would have taken Baylor? Oh, that's a good question. Because that was my draft strategy. I was like, <laughs> well, could I get both somehow? Yeah, I don't, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll take Scott Drew here. Okay. I'll take, a, I'll take a Clown Drew here, uh, my guy. You know, because the thing is, I mean, so Baylor picked fourth in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've got some really exciting freshmen that are coming in. Jacoby Walters is going to be very yeah, good. He's, yeah, he seems like a consensus guy that's going to be uh, a really, really explosive player. But, you know, they did lose quite a bit from that team last year in the style that they played. Uh, and the reason that I go with Baylor here is because I got, since you took Kansas State, I could have gone TCU, could have gone Iowa State. But, like, TCU is who we thought they were. Yeah. Just a bunch of athletes running around that, that, that like, Happen to be like they're athletes that happen to be playing basketball, mm-hmm. not vice versa. You know what I mean? They're not basketball athletes; they're athletes playing basketball. <laughs> you know, that's, and that's a big difference. Uh, so I don't, I didn't want to go TCU. So I'm, I'm gonna go Baylor here. Uh, I, I think that uh, they have a pretty solid floor as a team. I mean, I don't know. I don't like Scott Drew, but uh, I didn't like my other options here either. So I'll, I'll go with Baylor. Uh, I am curious to see what their, what their offense looks like because last year it was dribble around and do nothing, and then shoot a contested shot. Uh, so what are they going to do this year? I don't know. Yeah, they're not a great shooting team. I don't think they fixed that much. Um, it's it's going to be down. I am going to take TCU next. I think you made the right call with, with Baylor of them. But now it's I'd, I'd rather take TCU than Iowa State and BYU and, I don't know, some of these other teams. Um, I still do think Jamie Dixon's a good coach. I still do think they'll be good in transition. They'll be good at attacking the rim and being they, athletic. Again, they, they, just, they are who yeah. we thought they were. It feels like a high-floor team that – because of the way they play, it's it's going to be hard for them to win, you know, 12, 13, 14 games. But it feels like because of the way they play, it'll also easily allow them to win 9, 10, 11 games in the conference. I mean, you saw when they when when their entire team shows up and is just, you know, doing right. athletic, crazy stuff. You saw what happened. They could blow out Kansas and Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah. And even without Mike Miles and Damian Ball, like you add in uh, uh, Jameer Nelson Jr., who, again, not a great shooter, but can fill in some of the things Mike Miles did, even though he won't be as good at it. Emmanuel Miller's a really good kind of matchup problem. Um, they added Ernest Uday, who I actually think is going to have a good year for them. I mean, that, that does feel like a good fit for me for them. Yeah. He's, he's a good no, he's runner a in transition as a center. That yeah. just uh, maybe, yeah. Help them block shots. I think they have Jacoby Coles back, too. Like I, I think there's enough there that TCU will be a good team, but not a great team. But uh, in this range of the draft, they'll take them there. 
right. So now I have Iowa State, Texas Tech, West Virginia, Oklahoma State. West Virginia is the ultimate wild card here. Yeah. The talent on the roster, even though they just lost lost Jose Perez, like that is a top half team in the Big 12, if not higher. But a lot of question marks. Off the court stuff, obviously. Yeah. Uh, leaves something to be desired with how that's gone. Um, mm, I don't know. I Okay. The way that I want to kind of look at this next group of teams, Iowa State, Texas Tech, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, this kind of like 7 through 12 teams, I want to, I want to look at which teams uh, I think are going to be most successful at home because if you are winning all your home games, you're going to be in good shape you know, to potentially win double-digit games and, and, and things like that. So that kind of leaves me with Iowa State and Texas Tech. I'll go with Iowa State here. I'll go with uh, with frat boy TJ Altsberger with the uh, jacked boy, big muscly man. Someone, someone, get that man a size up of a polo. I mean, seriously, <laughs> dude. Like, what are we, what are we doing? Uh, but I'll go with them there. Here uh, again, I, I think when you look at a team, teams that are in this middle tier of the Big Twelve, to me, it comes down to winning your home games, right? If you can win your home games and go, I mean, again, seriously, if you're going, you know, seven and two, six and three, whatever at home. You're going to be in good shape to be, mm. uh, you know, potentially an upper half of the league team. And I, I like Iowa State here with their home with their home court compared to some of these other schools. So I will go with the uh, with the Cyclones here. All right, uh, I'm going to take Texas Tech, and and I do think Iowa State. There's something to be said about like they have an insane freshman recruiting class coming in. So maybe some of the similar stuff the past couple of years, but a higher ceiling. Then again, could take the freshman class some time to to learn what to do. I'm going Texas Tech. I actually thought about taking Texas Tech instead of TCU last pick. Wow, I'm actually very high on the Red Raiders this year. Grant McCaslin comes in, was at North Texas. They're going to come in play an extremely slow tempo. Yeah, it's gonna I'm going to to play. Them. I, I'm going to. It's going to make my eyes bleed watching it really them is. play. But because of that, it's going to you know cause problems for other teams when they play them. They've got a good home court, as you kind of talked about. Yeah. Uh, Pop Isaacs, I think, is going to take a step this year. Good. They brought in a bunch of transfers to the program. Um, Pop Isaacs, is, he's he's the new guy that's just going to hit like seven threes against KU, probably. Yes, probably. And then uh, Warren Washington, I think, is a really good pickup for them. He was a transfer from Arizona State, was a really good rim protector. Arizona State, low-key, had a good defense last year, and the reason why was Warren Washington protecting the rim. They bring him in on a team that typically Grant McCaslin coaches really good defenses on top of that. like I mean, the things that Grant McCaslin did at uh, North Texas are, are, pretty, uh, are pretty crazy. Last year, they finished in Ken Palm 31st in the country. North Texas. That that's insane. So uh, really, but like they mi- they missed the tournament, right? Yeah, they won the NIT. Yeah, they were like the KU women's basketball sort of. In, yeah, in that yeah. respect. Uh, okay, uh, we'll go faster on these final picks. A All right. To talk uh, about. <laughs> yeah, uh, with my next pick, I'm going to go with Oklahoma State. I want to stay away from West Virginia. I'll take Oklahoma State. Uh, pistols firing. I'll just swing for the fences. Give me West Virginia. A lot of talent, yeah. even though there's a lot of questions. But round five worth the risk. Yeah, I'll take Oklahoma after that. Uh, I they're picked below Cincinnati, which I think is interesting. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'll trust the known commodity in the Big Twelve. Uh, I'm curious to see what these other uh, group of five teams coming over do. I'll go Oklahoma. Right, I actually like BYU. I think BYU could surprise. When I say surprise, they're picked twelfth. I could see them finishing ninth. They're or actually tenth. picked thirteenth. Okay, so even better. I could see them finishing ninth or tenth. Cincinnati eleven, Oklahoma twelve, BYU thirteenth, uh, UCF fourteen. They've got some good shooting. They've got this like small ball. Five four man like uh, Traore who's just like he's like six seven like two hundred and a billion pounds. Uh, he, he's he's a bowling ball. He's fun to watch. And yeah, those uh, types I think of players are players. wild. Yes, they are. So uh, I, I like BYU to surprise some people this year. Right, so I, the I fact like Mark that you, Pope is good. the fact that you took BYU, give me Cincinnati. Okay, give me Cincinnati. Cincinnati with West Miller. 
Got some good athletes, but they lost a lot of players from last year's team. Yeah, uh, I guess that leaves me UCF. So UCF, by the way, picked 14th with 14 points in the. So that means every everybody seemed, picked everybody them picked them last. It seems including like the themselves. Obvious. Well, this is crazy too. They're picked. Oh well, they can't pick themselves. Oh, okay, Coco. Um, I guess that means somebody picked them 13th then. Yeah, and that's what I'm confused by. So like, somebody would have picked how them does 13th. the yeah how, yeah somebody because there's only there would be a well, minimum guess, of 13 points. Right? I, I guess I don't know when they, when you fill out the polls, do, do you only fill out 13 teams and then they just slot in wherever your team is? So somebody would have must have picked them 12th in that case, right? Or hmm. I don't know how they do. I, I don't. I've never seen the. That's polls. That's a good point. Yeah, somebody did pick them 12th then in the, in that way. I don't know. So I wonder who got picked last. But uh, th- uh, this is what's crazy about the Big 12. UCF on Ken Palm starting near 72nd. In a lot of conferences, they would be picked as like a middle of the pack team, yeah. or in like some, you know, non power five conferences, they'd be yeah. picked to win the league. But because they're in the Big Twelve, it's like well, sorry, I, I saw that stat where it's like you know UCF is is lowest in the Big Twelve at seventy two, and then you look at like the ACC and they've got like four teams in the two hundreds <laughs> or something or whatever. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah, poor UCF. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. More Big Twelve basketball talk next. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Again, we are live from the uh, T-Mobile Center, though right now that's not the case because uh, there is a bunch of interviews going on with, I don't know, Bill Self, the KU basketball players, and we want to bring you that audio at some point, whether it's later today or on uh, the upcoming shows. I'm going to be gone Thursday and Friday, but Nick will have a bunch of audio to share with you from Big 12 Media Day, so uh, we decided to talk some Big 12 here in the 4 o'clock hour and uh, get out in front of some stuff. Uh, So here's kind of a fun question. Okay. Who do you think is the best combination of football and men's basketball teams in the conference? Like, mm. okay, so who, who's living the good life? Are we saying like historically or right no, now? Right now, like uh, for really this season, twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four season today. Yes. Well, I think. I mean, I don't. I hate to say this, but Kansas, I think, has got to be up there. Sure. Uh, Kansas, Texas, are probably the top two. Um, because, yeah, because like Houston's it's, it's, just not very good in in uh, in football. I mean, I guess they beat West Virginia, but yeah, but still, they're they're, they're not just bottom. I mean, Houston's got to be a bottom three or four team in the Big Twelve, probably yes, in, foot, in, in football. football. So, Whereas Kansas, they'll be in the same tier as Houston in basketball, but more middle of the pack in football. Yeah, yeah I mean, Kansas could finish you know fourth, fifth in the Big Twelve in it football. Could yeah, possibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are, I think, Kansas and Texas are definitively the, the top two, right? I think Texas is probably number, number one. one. Yeah. Because yeah. if you go first in football, and I know right now technically they're second, I, I still feel like they're the best team in the Big 12 in football. Yeah. If they go first in football and, like, let's say third, fourth, or fifth in basketball, I don't know. I guess, that's, I guess that's Kansas hard to could finish fourth in football. And then yeah. if you finish fourth in football, right? But it could be different, too, because finishing fourth in the Big 12 in basketball – could equate to being like a top three or four seed in the NCAA tournament, Possibly. whereas finishing fourth or fifth in the Big Twelve in football could equate to being six and six or seven and five. You know, yeah. I so mean, given how the how the mud has been with uh, all those teams, you know, in the in, on the football side, I think that's fair. Yeah, so I think Texas and Kansas and Oklahoma and, and basketball, I don't think is going to be that good. So, no, they're, I think they're going to be kind of bad this year. Yeah. Yeah, by the way, uh, Porter Mosier, not a good coach. I think he's a decent coach. But at the time that they hired him, it felt like it was like he was a, great a coach good hire, like a really good hire. I still don't think he's a bad coach. I, I think it's it's kind of a product of a couple things. One, um, it's just really hard in the Big 12. Like yeah. you, you can come into the Big 12. He could be 
Because he could go to another smaller conference school if he and gets like fired by Oklahoma and really be the best well. coach in yeah. the conference. Yeah. But in the Big 12, he might be the 10th best coach. It's just there, there's so many good coaches and so many good teams. So part of it's yeah. that. The other part of it is OU is well, a tough place to win. Yeah, I mean, OU fans, they just don't care. No, they don't ball. really show up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, who else would I? Well, Baylor, I mean, Baylor's bad Baylor's at football, bad so they kind of go in the same categories like Houston. Uh, I mean, what about Kansas State? I know you'd hate yeah. to have this conversation. But, <laughs> I don't like having the conversation. But Kansas State, to me, feels like a top-five team in basketball. <coughs> Football-wise, they feel like a top-five Probably five top-five. So, yeah. like, they might be the balanced. I don't know, man. I, the thing is, is, like, I... I Right now, I'm, I'm, it, I'm hesitant to say that because mm-hmm. I want to see them do it again in basketball, basically. Sure. Like, I, I'm not I'm saying... I'm very high on their, their basketball team. I'm year. not saying that last year was a fluke, but, like... Let let's do it again. Let's see it again, right? Mm-hmm. With uh, with uh, Jerome Tang and everything. Jerome Corn. I mean Jerome Tang. <laughs> uh, but by the way, did you see the stupid sunglasses he was wearing this morning? No, ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah. So I don't know. I like I get it. I mean, they'll probably, like you said, they'll probably be a top five. I mean, they'll be a top five team in football with the potential to be a top five team in basketball. I. A because I'm biased against them, but B because I want to see I do want to see K State do it again in basketball. Well, I, I do think there's something to be said about the idea of like what would you rather have as a fan? Would you rather see your your basketball and football teams both finish third, hypothetically, in the conference? Yeah. Or both have objectively good seasons. Sure. And that means you're going to a good bowl game. Sure. Probably gonna finish ranked. And in basketball, if you finish third in the Big Twelve, that puts you as a serious threat to make a deep run in March and maybe even make a Final Four run. Yeah. Or would you rather see your team win one of them and finish, like, 10th in the other? Well, that's been the reality of Kansas fans for right. the past 15 years. <laughs> uh, so, I, I don't know. I think the thing is, is, like, a third-place finish in basketball for KU specifically is is a disappointment. Mm-hmm. But if you were, like, a – if you're, like, a – I don't know, Texas Tech or Baylor or TCU and you finish third in both, that's probably really good. Sure. Right? Or, or even one, or you look at one of the newcomer schools, like I'm sure BYU would be happy to finish third in both if they had the opportunity. So it just kind of depends. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure K-State fans are like, well, we expect to win the Big 12 title every year. So they probably wouldn't say that, but I don't know. I guess it, it depends how it, it works for me because I, I almost would take the third in both for this specific version of the Big 12 from a standpoint of because there's so many good teams and the schedule's imbalanced. But would you take that for Kansas? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Because, like, what if you get a scenario where Houston and, I don't know, some other team, Texas or Baylor or K-State or whoever, you know, goes 14-4, and four, ties in the conference. Obviously, there are different schedules to teams. And you go 13-5, and five, where you're not that much further back than them, but technically you're in third place. Still, at that point, you go 13-5 and five in the Big 12, Especially if you do well in a tough non-con. This year specifically, that would be a disappointment, I think. I, I understand what you're saying, that it would be a slight disappointment. But I'm, I'm viewing it big picture as, even if you would view it as a disappointment because they didn't win the league, still 13-5 and five in the Big 12 this year That's puts good. you in a position where you're probably going to get a top two or three seed in the I mean, NCAA think, tournament and feel like you're still going to be a Final Four contender. Yeah, I mean, the past couple years, when you look at how much of a gauntlet the Big 12 has been, if you could have guaranteed KU would go 13-5 and five at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. I think you and I would both take that every time. Sure. Based off of how things have gone. And so if you, if you right, I, I guess it kind of all just depends how it comes together. Now, if it's a third-place finish like the 2019 team, where that team with, with Diedrich Lawson and stuff, like obviously that didn't make a deep run in the tournament, then at that point 
You know, maybe it's a different story. There are different versions of third place. There are versions of, hey, we got third place. We're still a really good team. We just had a couple things go against us, maybe a couple injuries here, and there's other really good teams in the conference. There's a third place where it's the, oh, Bill Self dragged this team to getting to third place, right? There are two different versions of that that I could understand. But I don't know. Finishing third in football I think would be really cool too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Then again, well, finishing third in football, third in football could be seven suck and five. I don't know. Because then you're one spot away from a Big 12 title. <laughs> you know, yeah. game. Yeah, I guess actually now that I think about it, if you're going to finish third, you probably have to minimum go eight and four, nine and three, given that they went three and zero in conference in non-con. So I agree. Yeah, that's kind of cool. If you if you because all your postseason aspirations would still be in front of you, even yeah. if you finish third in, in the regular season in Big Twelve. Absolutely. Whereas if you go eight and four, nine and three, you're ranked, get into a good bowl game, you might be going to like the Holiday Bowl. Who knows? If you're nine and three, maybe you have an outside shot in New Year's Six Bowl, depending on the on uh, how the nine and three kind of comes together. So. I, uh, I I would probably take those between the two, um, okay. but I, I don't know. I can understand both. I can understand the idea of like actually having a championship and winning that, and you know something about that being kind of yeah. I mean, cool. I, I just think that I think that I don't know. Ku fans are on the basketball side a bit spoiled, right? From of like the championship feeling. Like I'm sure there are uh, many other Big Twelve programs that would love to be able to just win one championship uh, in 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 basketball or football, to be honest. But with how many KU's won in basketball, I don't know if that maybe affects things. Yeah. But uh, you look at the rest of the conference: West Virginia, bad; Texas Tech, disappointing in football, obviously. And I don't think they're going to be as good this year in basketball either. Uh, Baylor, bad; TCU, average to bad. Is UCF uh, right now in the zone of being the? The bottom of the rung on this because they're they're like it seems like it's it's them with a bullet for being predicted last in the Big Twelve yeah. in basketball in basketball yeah and like in football clearly they haven't been nearly as good as they've as been they might have thought right yeah they've been disappointing uh, yeah which you know maybe you wouldn't have said that a couple a couple weeks ago or you know at the start of football season but yeah they've been they've been not very good yeah they really haven't okay what if we throw another uh, little piece into this what if we throw women's basketball into this so now you have women's basketball men's mm-hmm. basketball football so what then, school would you take right now so I think that might Texas, even supplant Kansas well I guess yeah tech, that might actually make Texas think, case better yeah because Texas, Texas is picked to win the league in women's okay okay yeah yeah so because Texas is first and it was Baylor picked second I believe in the women's Baylor picked second and then Kansas KU third. Kansas State uh, and then I don't remember who was fifth Oklahoma, uh, Iowa Oklahoma, State, yeah. somewhere. Yeah, so I think, two. I think actually if you throw in women's basketball, I think that just cements Texas, yeah. the top three as Texas, Texas Kansas. Kansas, and probably Kansas State at that point. Yeah. I think probably. that cements it. I think that would cement those three as the top three. Because, oh, I mean, I guess maybe, well, but Oklahoma's too bad in men's basketball. <laughs> and then uh, you look at Baylor, and they're not, I mean, I get, Baylor would have to, I think, exceed expectations in Big 12 on the men's side of basketball. Yeah, in like order to if Baylor, be let's say, shared for the conference title in men's and shared the conference title in women's. And they went like 6-6 six and six in, in football. football. Could eh, you get there? Maybe. Eh, eh, I don't know. I don't know eh. how likely all of those things are to happen, I don't, though. Yeah, I, don't I don't know, know if they're going to even get six wins in football. <laughs> and I don't know if they're going to share the title in either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tough. It's I tough think, for sure. Yeah, I think if you add in, t- I think if you add in women's basketball, Texas... To me, it becomes number one. I mean, and if, got, even if I went a step further and was like, let's add women's volleyball, Texas, Texas then even further. Even, yes. And, and, and you had a women's volleyball, I think it's Texas and Kansas. Yeah. So it's almost like, yeah, Kansas it, is it, top just, everything you add, it just further cements that like it's Texas and Kansas at the top two, which is kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. Makes for, uh, that is cool. Yeah. You know. Well, and again, I, mean, I think it's, it, it speaks to a lot of what Travis Goff has said, which is, you know, 
in the wake of Texas leaving and Oklahoma leaving, why not Kansas? Why can't mm-hmm. Kansas be that premier program? And I mean, we kind of through this thought exercise, we kind of just outlined that, right? I mean, if you if you look at you know the three major fall winter sports, football, men's basketball, women's basketball, and even if you even if you throw in like a volleyball, KU is I think far and away the best overall program at this mm-hmm. point. Besides, you know, around the conference, besides besides Texas, uh, so that's that's pretty cool, right? And now to think that Texas is going to leave and Oklahoma is going to leave, yeah, why not Kansas? Why can't you look and say that Kansas is consistently, you know, not winning the title in every sport, but overarchingly, collectively competing the best and in, yeah. relevant nationally too yeah. for like the you know some of the postseason stuff, whether it's bowl games or tournaments. Yeah, for sure. Very cool. Very cool. All right, um, we're going to take a time out here. Two hours down in the show, one to go. Uh, We're going to talk more Big 12 basketball, maybe some more audio for you coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, Obviously, like I said, we are out at the T-Mobile Center for Big 12 Men's Basketball Media Days, but uh, this hour of the show was kind of pre-recorded so that we could get out there and interview because this is right now when we've had a chance to talk to uh, Bill Self and some of the players. So we'll bring you that audio at some point, whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's on Friday's upcoming show, and uh, plenty more to come here with Rock Chalk Sports Talk, KU Basketball, Big 12 Basketball Talk on the show. You're listening on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We've uh, been at T-Mobile Center gathering audio from Bill Self, from players, and uh, we'll share that with you at some point, whether it's later in today's show or at some point tomorrow, Friday, something like that. I'll actually be out on Thursday and Friday, and it will have you covered, so uh, plenty of that to come from Big 12 Men's Basketball Media Days. Okay, we, we mentioned on Monday, we, we talked about KU number one in the AP poll in the preseason number one voting, and Nick brought up the uh, John Rothstein tweet, which brought up a stat. Yeah, well, there was other lots of people were tweeting it, actually, yes. about... Uh, KU struggles when they were number one. That's right. So under Bill Self, they've been preseason number one now four times. The previous three times are 2004-2005, 2009-2010, and 2018-2019. And if you have a good memory, you may recall all of those teams in the NCAA tournament. That's right. They all lost in the first or second round. 0405 lost in the first round. 18-19 lost in the second round. 9-10 lost in the second round, but that one's different. That team went 33-3. and Like, they were still objectively an unbelievably good team. It's just a weird thing happened, right? But, so you might be wondering, like, is this bad? Is it bad to be number one? North Carolina missed the tournament last year. Are these expectations bad? Well, I'm here to tell you that I went back every year of the preseason college basketball number one team back to the 2004 season. So, so when, back when to the Kansas, yeah, Yes, okay, yeah. uh, when they were voted it with uh, Bill Self for the first time. And the numbers are very good for preseason number one teams. Turns out, if you have a lot of talent and you have a lot of players that people are high on, typically turns <laughs> into up being, being pretty good. good. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll get into the numbers here. Um, but I, I guess if I'm just going through this, like, okay, who are recent teams to be number one? So North Carolina last year, that obviously fizzled. Year before that was Gonzaga, who went 28-4, and four, ended up getting a one seed in the NCAA tournament. Made the made Sweet the, 16. Okay, okay, yeah. And they were the number one overall seed, and they finished number one in Ken Palm. Really good team. Uh, year before, Gonzaga, 31-1. and one. They went all the way to the title game as the number one overall seed. They finished as the runner-up, and they got number one in Ken Palm. A uh, year before that was Michigan State. That Michigan State team finished number seven in Ken Palm. COVID canceled the tournament, so who knows. Uh, 2018-19 Kansas. Obviously that team, what we talked about. Uh, the two years prior was Duke. One of the years they got a two seed and went to the Elite Eight, lost to Kansas. I guess that sucks. redacted. 
Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. right. Sorry. And then, uh, my, my bad. Yeah. My, my bad. Yeah. They redacted. lost to no one. Um, and then uh, they got a two seed the other year, but they got upset in the second round. Year before that, North Carolina got it, and they were the national runner up. They finished two in Ken Palm. Year before that, or the two years before that, were Kentucky. One of the years was the year they went 38 and one, made the Final Four. The other year, they were the national runner up. Uh, year before that, Indiana, they were a one seed in the tournament, finished three in Ken Palm. They made the Sweet 16. Year before that, North Carolina made it to the Elite Eight, finished sixth in Ken Palm. Year before that, Duke made it. They made the Sweet 16 as defending uh, champions and uh, were a number two to finish the year in Ken Palm. Year before that was Kansas. Two years prior to that were North Carolina. One of the years they won the national championship. One of the years they went to the Final Four, finished first and third in Ken Palm. And then Florida the year before that, they won the national championship. They were uh, finished second in Ken Palm. And year prior was Duke. They finished second in Ken Palm and were made it to the uh, Sweet 16. So, long story short. A lot short, of teams who had great seasons. If you're a number one a preseason team, the chances of you making the second weekend is like 90%. Correct. <laughs> well, I actually have the numbers here. So, this is over the past, again, since 2004, which gives us... 18 years of data, because it doesn't count this year, obviously, yet it hasn't happened, and it doesn't pull in the COVID year since we didn't have a tournament. So since 2004, of the preseason number one teams in college basketball, 17 of the 18 made the NCAA tournament. Only one was North Carolina last year. And that is is the albatross of all outliers. Yeah, I mean, you can almost throw that one out completely. It it really is. (sighs) Obviously, though, that's not the goal. If you're preseason number one, your expectations are way more than just make the NCAA tournament, right? Of course. Yeah. So, obviously, Kansas had the problem even making the second weekend. 13 of the 18 teams who were preseason number one since 04 made the second weekend. So, that's well more than 50%. But this is where the number with Kansas comes into play. Yeah. Because it has been just a number that it's just been a weird thing for Kansas. If you take Kansas out, that means 13 of the 15 made the second weekend. So, like you said, it is, that's, I don't know what that is. Like, Probably 90%. Close to, yeah, close like to 88% 85%. probably. Yeah. Yeah, it's 87%. Yeah. So outside of the years, Kansas has been number one. Since 2004, 87% of the preseason number one has made the second weekend. Now, what does yeah. that tell you? Does that tell you that Kansas is cursed? I don't know, maybe. Does it tell you that the the numbers for the rest of the teams who are getting preseason number one, that you are below those numbers and that there's going to be a reversion to the mean? Yeah. And that the next couple times you're preseason number one, you're going to play back to the average, which means... You should be a second weekend team. Yeah. Um, now, you might be wondering, okay, beyond that, what about like further runs in the tournament? Well, nine of the 18 made the Elite Eight, mm. who were preseason so number one. That's 50%. I mean, if that's, you hey, said coming into a season— I can do that math. Yeah, nine of 18. You have a 50-50 chance of making an Elite Eight. That's a pretty good number. That's, that's really good. Yeah. And then, again, if we take out the Kansas numbers to be like, well, what is everybody else doing? Kansas of, has been lagging behind the pack. So 9 of 15. 9 then. of 15. Yeah. That's 60% of the teams who are preseason number one have made an Elite Eight since yeah. 2004. I do think it's it's kind of nuanced with the preseason number one because it's like you could be preseason number one, but maybe it's a year where there aren't sure. any other really elite teams, and so you're just the number one team or you know whatever. So... Uh, you know, it's it's. I think it, that kind of nuances a little bit. You know, there are some years where a number one team would maybe be a number five team mm-hmm. in you know a different year, right, or, or whatever. However that you know however it works. So it's it is interesting, but but yeah, to your point, I mean, you know, over fifty percent or better chances of making the elite eight. I mean, that's really really good. Yeah. And but even furthermore. Bill Self is a like fifty percent chance of the time he makes the elite eight anyways. Yeah, very <laughs> so true. so it doesn't. So from the Kansas perspective, it 
it's like maybe it doesn't matter that you're number one in a preseason because you have Bill Self anyways. Okay, going further. Seven of the 18 since 2004 who are preseason number one made the final four. And again, if we take out KU, it's seven of 15. Yeah. And what's crazy is you wouldn't expect that because no, that's an the insanely whole point, high number. Yeah, March is, yes. is random, man. Exactly. Yeah, you you wouldn't expect that number because the whole point of you know, I mean, why do they why do they call it March Madness? Mm-hmm. Because madness happens, and craziness happens, you know. But but the fact that still over the past you know eighteen years or eighteen tournaments really, you still had teams ranked number one in the preseason consistently be in the discussion. You know, going into the second weekend, making the final four, things like that, like. That that is wild to think about because uh, most people would probably not guess that because you know so much happens over the course of the season you know injuries or you know you win you lose games whatever and then you get to the tournament and it's just you know the whole point is that it's supposed to be totally random and now here you have teams that are still preseason number one making it at such a high rate and it just goes to show that if you have the talent that level of talent and you're the number one team. Odds are you're going to have a pretty good chance of, of making it far, regardless yeah. of your coach, right? But again, that's crazy. 7 of 15 but, non-KU. That, that's almost a coin flip. To make the Final Four. It's so hard. <laughs> All right, uh, what about making the title game? 5 of the 18 made the title game, which again, you, you can view it as, oh, that's, that's a low number. No, it's really not. Uh, most years, the team who's the number one overall seed, or the team who's viewed as like the best team, it'll be like they have a 20% chance. To, to win it all, or they have like a 30% chance to make the final. Yeah, they do something. the stupid AWS yeah, crap where it's like, right? oh, look at the chances. So again, 5 of 18, but again, if we take out KU, that means 5 of the 15 preseason number one teams that weren't KU, 33% made the title game. Again, would you take a 1 in 3 chance for KU to make the title game this year? I yes. would. Yes. That's very yes. high numbers very compared so. to where everybody else would be. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last one here, 2 of the 18 won the national title. Take out Kansas, 2 of 15. Um, that's over a 10% chance, which, again, is is more than most teams say before the season started. So yeah. the point here is, yes, Kansas has not done well in past seasons in which they've been preseason number one in the NCAA tournament. Now, um, I think looking back, the 0-9-10 team should not be probably judged in the same view as the other two because the 9-10 team... Again, when was thirty-two and two in the regular season, like that was more like the eighteen nineteen team. That team losing the second round, that that was yeah. a surprise, right? Yeah. That's kind of what they were. Yeah. The 0405 team, right? That was just a really young team. That was the core of the the team that eventually went on to win the national title, right? right as freshmen, so that that made sense. But the 0910 team, that's more of the classic like March spurned you thing. That yeah. team was dominant. That team was really good. So. Um, I guess when you look at how the other teams have done as preseason number ones, it tells you that you keep getting preseason number ones. Eventually, it's like how Bill Self, he he made all those Elite Eights, and at one point I think the record was like 3-5 and five in yeah. his career in Elite Eights. Dude, you just keep knocking you on the door. You keep making Elite Eights. Eventually, some are going to turn your way, right? Yeah. It's the same thing with like Dean Smith when he was at North Carolina. I think they won two national titles, but he made like a billion Final Fours. It's it's hard to win, and it's hard to win in the NCAA tournament one game elimination. You keep getting cracks at it. Eventually, some are going to come through, and so you keep getting AP preseason number one teams. If you're Kansas, you keep having talented rosters, rosters that you feel like are are good enough to win the title or make Final Four runs or you know win the Big Twelve and, and all these things. Eventually, some of them are going to turn out, and so far they haven't really turned out. And other teams they have, which shows you that typically they do. 
And so I would expect this year to be your year to be one of those teams that that does more so follow that path of yeah. uh, some of the past teams that have had unbelievable seasons. Yeah, and in, for you know this is a consensus number one team. I would say, right? I mean, pretty clearly they are the best team in the country right now uh, to start the year. Which is, you know, I mean, there are obviously other teams that are very very talented and have talented players, but you know, like we talked about, number one transfer portal player, probably the best coach in the country, probably the best passing point guard in the country. Probably one of the top defenders in the country with Kevin McCuller. You throw in KJ Adams. You throw in having a, a, a really talented freshman player in El Marco Jackson. Great shooter, Nick Timberlake. I mean, you check all the boxes of being a team, right? Like they've, you've got experience, but you have some explosive young players also that you think can can really elevate the ceiling of the team. So, I mean, they, they've they've got it all to start the season. So uh, expectations are certainly through the roof and. As as Bill Self would say, expectations or faces change, expectations do not. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We uh, are going to get to you some audio later this hour. More uh, maybe KU Big Twelve basketball talk. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on.